Hello, and welcome to the Church 860 podcast. My name is Pastor Chris, and I'm the lead pastor of Church 860 located in Westerville, Ohio. Our podcast will have daily episodes uploaded where we have curated some of the best Bible teaching from across the globe. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank You, we do praise You that You are an awesome, awesome, awesome God, Father. That You faithfully take care of Your children, Father. That You love us, care for us, provide for us, protect us, Father. When we feel, Father, so many times we have to do this on our own, it's so fruitless when You can be our guardian, our protector. I pray, Father, that today, now, we would run to Your arms, Father, and feel Your comfort and love and uh, that we would have that peace that we seek for our souls, and that you would just continue to work in our lives like never before. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we give you all the glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. As we've been going through the book of Luke, uh, you're seeing that there are several things that uh, Jesus has been trying to instill in us. He's trying to get us to wake up. We see that the world is cold and dead and stale. And what Jesus wants us to do is to have our eyes open, to be spiritually awake and sensitive. He's comparing that to being one of the good seeds that's planted. His foundation that he's building off of is that the sower goes out to sow seeds. He's throwing, scattering seeds. And some of the seed falls on bad ground. Some of the seed falls on on ground that the birds come and grab. Some of the seed grows up amongst the weeds and is choked out. But some of it actually produces fruit and bears forth the, the fruit of the kingdom of God. And we would like to be that seed. I'd like to say, Jesus, you didn't waste your time on me that I'm not going to spend and fritter my life away. I would like to sit down and bear forth fruit for the kingdom. And Jesus is saying a true disciple, a true disciple will do that. He will be one that is alert, awake. He's not just asleep in this world, dead and dumb. And so if you would, Jesus has been teaching us to be asking questions. He's telling us to be thinking He's telling us to be doing things with the right heart. We saw last week where the Pharisees did many good works, but none of them impressed God. We talked about the Pharisees on how they were so concerned how they washed their hands, the the places they went, the things they looked at. They were over-concerned about so many things, yet they missed the big one, getting their heart right with God. And, and Jesus is, is hammering home that we have to have things right on the inside if the things we do on the outside are to count for anything before the Lord. And so if you would, we're going to look at a real nuts and bolts sermon. Jesus is going to, is, is going to take this right down to the nitty gritty and He's giving us a very powerful insight. And so if we go into chapter 12, it says, In the meantime... It says, when an innumerable, can't count them, multitude of people, all the the multitudes of attitudes, had gathered together. Jesus is being swarmed with people. So that they trampled one another. 
This is worse than a, a soccer match, an English soccer match here. They're, they're stomping on one another to get to Jesus. And they're saying, hey, we're gonna, I want to get as close as I can. And, and I see that, that Jesus is looking at these people dying to get to him, and he's, he's frustrated, saying, does anyone listen to what I have to say? And Jesus, is, he, sees, he, he says, he goes, he began and he starts this process to say to his disciples, number one, he says, first of all, he says, you've got to be careful of something. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark, you've whispered it in the dark, will be heard in the light. Whatever you have spoken in the ear, in the inner room, you're whispering. It's got to be proclaimed from the housetops. So Jesus is making a strong proclamation to say, you know what, God sees your heart. He sees the things that you whisper about. There are things in our life we want to cover, we want to hide, things that we're ashamed of, things that we have done and we'd like to be embarrassed of. And, and the idea would be that certain people, they, they project an image that's not a true image of who they are. They're the hypocrite. To be a hypocrite means that you wear the mask. You look one way, but really you're another way behind the mask. And Jesus is saying, first thing, and this is almost a kind of reviewing of last week, you've got to be pure inside and out. And, and you have to be careful. He uses that term leaven. Leaven is a, a term for the yeast, if you would, that uh, you take the yeast, you can put it into something, and it permeates it. It, it goes throughout the dough of, of bread so that it would rise uni uniformly, if you would. And he says there's a poison, a leaven, that sneaks into you and starts to spread throughout every area of your body, and that's hypocrisy. And Jesus is saying you have got to be careful not to be the hypocrite. And the truth be known that when we think that we're whispering something in the dark, it's going to be brought to the light someday. When we think we're whispering and talking behind somebody's back, God sees it all. That truth alone brings us to a very strong reality of saying, well, God, if you know it all, then who am I fooling when I think that I'm fooling somebody? No one. No one, just some other nuts like me, and I think I'm fooling myself. And so he gives us a strong admonition. He says in verse um, 4, he says, For I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid, don't be scared, of those who kill the body. So if someone can come up and put a, a gun to your head, that's not the guy to be afraid of. He says, and after that, they have no more that they can do. The worst they can do is put a bullet in your head. And we go, oh, a bullet in my head, they're going to kill me. Oh, that's terrible. And Jesus says, nah, I'll show you whom you should fear. You want to be afraid of somebody. He says, fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. And who's that? That's God. 
And he's saying, have a respect of fear for God. God sees everything. We play games with God. And yet, somehow or another, we're afraid of man. And we throw God in the ditch when we should say, I'll fear God because he can throw me into eternal hell. And who's this one guy who can just put a bullet in my head? Take my life now, my physical life, because my spiritual life has a much greater meaning. And so he comes now. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? You can go out and buy a, a penny, uh, penny's worth of sparrows and they're a dime a dozen, as they would say. And he says, and not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. He says, also I say to you, this is the heart of it, he says, whoever confesses me before men, standing up and having a backbone and saying that Jesus is God, he says, also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. So come judgment day when you stand before the Lord, if you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, God's going to stand up and confess before all the hosts of heaven and say, here's my son, my faithful servant, Dave Brown, or whoever we are, and he's going to proclaim us and defend us. goes the other way. He says, but he who denies me fails to have a backbone, runs like a coward, but he who denies me before men... Are you a Christian? No. Uh, well, you know, I don't, I don't. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And then he says the, the heavy, trippy phrase, he says, and anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now, this is a, a, a thought that a lot of people trip up over and they kind of have some difficulties with this whole concept. And it, 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 it enters into us a concept of an unforgivable sin. And people turn around and says, you mean there's something that I can do that's going to send me to hell? Oh, you know, what's the unforgivable sin? And you and I, we all know that's divorce, right? Oh, that's not there. Uh, we all know that's, uh, that's uh, 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 you know, turning around and uh, 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 committing suicide. Oh, no, that's not what it is either. So many people have these ideas of what an unforgivable sin is. Oh, I know what the unforgivable sin is. If you're a homosexual, you've got to burn in hell for forever. No, that's not what's being said here. Jesus is making a strong point and sometimes he's saying there is something that you are going to have a hard time getting past God with this in your resume. And he is going to turn around and say it's a blasphemy. Now a blasphemy is a biblical term. It means to cast an insult. To blaspheme has a special connotation. If I don't like you and I call you every name under the sun and chew you out, 
no matter how much I yell at you, I can never blaspheme you. To blaspheme has the connotation that my anger, my insult, my denial is vented specifically towards God. It's an insult towards God. It's a rejection, a, a, an assault against God and God alone. So when you use this word blaspheme, to blaspheme is meaning that you're, you're coming against God. Now Jesus is throwing some, some mind-bending concepts at us here. Because first he comes up and he says, well, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the angels. And if you confess me, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you. Well, I don't want to throw too many curves at you. But uh, let's just say on the onset, to blaspheme God for sure is to say that you've went to your grave and that you have denied Jesus Christ as Lord. And if you have not been born again and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and admit that He was righteous and you are unrighteous, if you fail to do that in your life, you will burn in hell. So the unforgivable sin first and foremost, is to reject Jesus Christ. In context, please, that it is saying that if you confess me before men, the Son of Man will also confess you before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. But it has a deeper meaning than that as well. And it says, and anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, so let's just say you come up and say, Jesus is a you know, good blankety blankety blank, good whatever. Jesus comes up and says, you can come up and assault Jesus here, right? But uh, you can be forgiven that. So if you spit on Jesus, that can be forgiven him. Well, wait a second, Jesus. Doesn't that just contradict what you just said about if I confess you and if, and, and, if I, and if I deny you where I stand? And now all of a sudden you say in the exact same breath, well, I can spit on your face and that's fine. But this... This, this, uh, 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 he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And all of a sudden, Jesus, I think, is taking his argument to a higher plane. And, and I beg, I want you to understand what's being said here. What he's saying is when you, when you reject Jesus, it's not just that you disrespect Jesus. It's that with the connotation of who and what Jesus is as the Son of God, there is a spiritual, a spiritual connotation, adaptation of this event of who and what Jesus is. Jesus just isn't the plumber, and if you use the right plumber, you're going to go and be saved. Jesus isn't the right lawyer, and if you have the best lawyer, you're going to be saved. Jesus isn't just putting it. He's saying... The, 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 the concept of who and what Jesus is has a spiritual, a spiritual effect to it. And what Jesus is saying is that when we as people are presented with a spiritual decision, there are spiritual ramifications to that decision. We, we have a fear of the unknown. There is a, a fear of anyone as, as a natural man that, that can't stand and despises to see something spiritual. To, to enter into a spiritual realm decision scares everyone. 
uh, when when you are presented with the gospel, and if those that are Christians here that have gone through this door can reflect back to the moment from before they went through the door of salvation, but if you can remember before you went through that door the 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 fear, the intrepidation that you had of going through to accept Jesus. I can remember clearly sitting in several churches thinking, I don't want anything to do with this. I can't stand anything to do with this. I just, I, 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 I've looked at Christians and I said, you are batty, you are nuts, you are wacko. And there is something inside of you and I as a, as a person when we're presented with a, a, a spiritual decision, our first response is uh, we're repulsed. There is a time when we sit back and we go, I don't want anything to do with this. This is nutty. This is weird. This is hard. I can remember when I lived in Southern California. I was a young Marine, just got out of the Marine Corps. And uh, I uh, started to give my life to the Lord sitting there in church. And I said, for the first year I got saved, I said, man, I just want to focus on God. My life is so out of whack that I need to start to put it in whack and start to put things right. I literally went to church seven days a week, twice on Sundays. Every single night I was at church. I still do that. <laughs> but I work here now. But, uh, but you go, you go I, I was eating up every single thing I could. And, and it came to me because I said, you know, so many times I'd sit back, I'd come home from work, and I could just crack open a beer, sit in front of a, a rerun of Star Trek, and say, here's my life. And you go, I'm, I'm actually doing nothing. And the thought kind of hits you that says, you know what? What am I doing? I, I, there's something going on over here, and I need to get up, get out, and do something. I need to go meet some other Christians instead of sitting in front of the tube one more night, cracking open a beer and saying, I'm just going to sit here. And, and you have to be willing to, to break that mold and get away from your, your lifestyle and says, there's something different I need in my life and I'm going to go out and meet some other people. I'm going to go get involved in a Bible study. And I don't care what the Bible study was. If it was, you know, divorcees for Christ, I'd just say, well, I want to go sit into it and, and listen because maybe I can learn something. And not that I was married and divorced or anything. I just said, I just, I'm always willing to learn. And after about a year of going to church and really getting involved, and I, I finally started to break down and says, you know what, I, I would like to meet a gal. I would like to be married. And uh, I started going to this one Bible study that uh, was the college and career group. And I always stayed away from it because it seemed like, you know, the meat market, you know, type, you know, we're all Christians trying to meet one another, singles kind of thing, you know. And... Uh, I kind of said, I, I need to start to get involved to do things. And I can remember sitting in the study. There was 300 teens, and as you're a young guy in early 20s, and there's 300 people, it was the college and career group, they were all 18 to 25-ish or so, you know. This is a, a, a whole group of beautiful women that you could meet, you know. And I can remember, I'd be sitting there, and I always kept myself in the corner and kept away from everything. And, you know, you're always checking out everybody. And I can remember seeing this one girl, and I was going, and it just hit me like, man, there's something weird about that chick. And I'd sit down there, and 
I would just be going about my business, minding my own time, and then all of a sudden I'd turn around again, and I, this girl would walk by, and I'd go, man, there is something weird about that chick. I, just something weird, you know? I, yeah, I, and so they had this Friday night fellowship thing where they played football, uh, frisbee, you know, type thing. And I'm out there, and I was trying to meet a couple of the girls out there, you know. And then up comes the weird chick, you know. She comes up, and she introduces herself to me, and I'm like, yeah, hi, how you doing? Okay. And so after the football frisbee thing, they all go out to uh, this restaurant called Ham's, and then they're all laughing and joking, and this girl comes up to me, the weird chick, and she goes, hey, you want to split a, a chicken dinner with me? You know, we can all split and we'll save some money. No, no thanks. <laughs> and so, you know, we start talking, and, you know, they do some charades, and I was the one that figured out that this weird chick was the one that was boiling water. Try and do that as a charade. Think of that. You know, try and be boiling water. And I said, hey, you're boiling water. And oh, you know, oh, ha, 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 ha. And so, you know, afterwards, the weird chick comes up to me and says, hey, here's my phone number, you know, da 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 Maybe we can get together and study the Bible sometime. And I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> and uh, I think she gave me a hug goodbye. Maybe that's what started to melt me was that one little hug that was a little bit more than just a hello hug. And so sure enough, on a Friday night, I call up this girl and I figure we could get together maybe Sunday or something after church and study the Bible. And I call her up and I said, hey, you know, uh, I know you're probably going out, but, uh, you know, maybe we can get together Sunday after church. And she goes, oh, no. She goes, I'm babysitting. Come on over. <laughs> I'm like... Wow, you know. So I gussy myself up and go on over. And sure enough, as you sit there, I spend the whole night with her uh, up until about 11 and uh, talking to her and uh, watching these kids. And then you realize that this is my future wife. And by the time the evening was over, I turned around and says, I'm going to marry this girl. She is something special. And, you know, and I think Carl and I, you know, up at that time, we... We saw each other like, I don't know, 190 days in a row without ever not seeing each other because we were so in love with each other. And it always kills me that there was nothing that was like, you know, because she's a beautiful, attractive woman, and it was nothing, but there was something in my spirit that was telling me just there's something not right about this. And yet it's your future wife. Yet it's the thing that's the best thing for you. And I have found so many times in my life that when I'm getting ready to go into a, a big decision, that my first response to go into a decision, into a relationship, is that inside of me I have a barb. I have something that just runs down the chill of my back. And there's part of me, part of me, that wants to resist doing what God is leading me to do. Long way to make a simple point. And what Jesus is really speaking here, He's saying, when, when you have to make a decision, a spiritual decision, sometimes when that's presented to you, you have a tendency to go, I don't like that. Uh, no, 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 no. 
Now, what Jesus is going to be saying here, and please bear in mind as we go through the, you know, uh, a few more verses after this, that you're starting to see what Jesus is saying. He's completely understanding and he's completely sympathetic that inside of you and I are decisions that we have to make sometimes because God's asking us to go forward and part of us always wants to go back. I'm sorry that if any born-again Christian, you can, should be able to relate to something that I'm saying where God comes up and speaks to you and He says, this is where I want you to go. And immediately what happens is you go, oh, no, 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 that ain't going to happen. No, no. And immediately what starts to happen is inside of your mind you start to calculate, you start to turn around and come up with a whole list of reasons on why you can't do this. Well, that just doesn't make sense, God. That's not illogical. I don't think you'd ask me to do that. Why would you tell me to do that? That's just not the way things should be. I thought I had a, a, a different woman all planned out for me, and I thought I would be doing No, this is what I want. And inside you and I, when it comes down to crunch time to make a decision, that's the Holy Spirit coming up and prodding you. And your first response in the flesh is to turn around and say, No, 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 no. And what Jesus is saying is for you, in order to come to that decision point of making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, he understands that first what comes to you is a presentation of the Holy Spirit. It comes up and knocks on your door. And Jesus also understands that your first response is going to be no. And what Jesus now wants to do is to pad and prepare and to present us reasons to say Listen to this. You have got to make that step. You've got to step through that door. Even though every single thing inside of you is saying, no, 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 no. And you have to be able to make that distinction in your heart to say, Lord, I don't want to do this, but I know this is where I need to go. And it's very hard, Christian, to distinguish that from when the Holy Spirit really is telling you, you need to get rid of this, you need to let go of this, I'm telling you to stop XYZ habit. I'm telling you to do certain things, and, and we turn around and say, well, God, I can't stop doing that, and we have all these excuses. And it's very hard to say when God is telling you a conviction of the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and very hard when there is the resistance of the flesh, and God is telling you to get through that door and push your way through that and not to be afraid, but to stand out there and to go for it. When do you know those things? How do you deal with those things? What can happen to you? And Jesus is understanding the situation. Very nuts and bolts in your life. We have decisions to make. And as a pastor, people ask me that question all the time. Well, how do you know it's God? How do you know it's not the devil? How do you know? How do you know? Those are difficult, difficult decisions for you to make in your life. And it comes down for you to understanding the work and the way of the Spirit. And as anyone who is a believer knows that sometimes you have to step out when everything inside of you is saying, no, 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 no. Because as soon as you sit down there and say, well, there's something weird about this chick and I could run from her. But when you sit down and embrace it, you say, oh, look at the joy and the happiness and the love that we had. 20 years of being with my wife and I love her more today than ever before. And I said, thank you, Lord, you gave me the right one. I could have had so many other women in my life and done other things. Not that I had a thousand offers, but I mean, you know, you, you, could have, you could have had any other different set of combinations and you go, Lord, the thing I was afraid of was the right decision. And I can't tell you how many times I've looked back and just chuckled and said, Lord, thank you for being smarter than me. 
thank you for pushing me and kicking me and prodding me to go to where I needed to go. And, and, and when we have to make that decision, we have to turn around and say, Lord, you're right. Lord, I'm yielding to you. And so Jesus is going to sit down there and he wants us to break through that wall. And sometimes even though we may feel we're being rubbed the wrong way, we're being rubbed the right way. Bear with me to chapter 11 now, or verse 11, sorry, and we'll see how this kind of works together. He's going to come up with three things that people want to come up with as excuses on why they shouldn't listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. First one is in verse 11. It says, Now when they bring you to the synagogues, the Jewish churches, if you would, and magistrates, legal courts, and authorities, he says, Do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now, what Jesus is saying, he comes up and he's going to present these three things, and he's saying, well, the first thing is a lot of people, as they're presented with a a Christian witness, they're presented with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they want to turn around and say, well, you know, Lord, I know I need to accept you as my Lord and my Savior, but not right now. I'm not really ready. I need to be prepared. Let me go home and study. Let me go home and and investigate the matter. And what happens is, is that knocking on your heart, and God saying man, it's time. The time is now. And there's no amount of studying. And it's a comforting verse for us as well to say that, you know what? God is sufficient to take care of our needs in the moment. And all the, all the preparation, all the, all the things that you could have studied, it's never going to help you compared to a genuine word and work of God. But yet the excuses always come forward. Not now, God. Not now. I don't know how many times I've talked to people who says, you know, uh, uh, you need Jesus Christ in your life. Oh, you're right, Pastor. Oh, you know, here, this is how you do it. You need to say the sinner's prayer. You're right, Pastor. But not now. I'm just not ready. And we talked about this. Where, Hey, let me go bury my dead. Hey, let me go back and say goodbye to my mother. And Jesus said what? You're not worthy of the kingdom. There has to be a, a, a time of responding. The inspiration of the Spirit will carry you. Second issue is is verse 13. He says, "Uh, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Hey, we're fighting and squabbling over my parents' estate. Jesus, can you give me my fairest share of money? I want you to turn around and take care of my problems. But he said to him, Man, Who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Like I care, said Jesus. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Fancy dancy word for greed. To covet something means you want something that somebody else's. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And Jesus says, you know what? One of the things that happens is that when you are presented with stepping out and asking Christ to come into your life, one of the things that you will say to yourself is, well, I can't do that. Look what I'm going to lose. I'd have to give up this. I'd have to give up that. I don't want to to have to give these things up. 
And, and all of a sudden, we can covet so many things. It says, well, if I'm a Christian, well, then I can't really, you know, drive a, you know, this type of car. I can't really go out and be greedy and take care of myself first. I'd have to love people. And, oh, I don't want to have to do that. I just want to go to heaven. I don't want to have to love people. And, and what he's saying in so many words is Jesus says, you know, I'm not here to squabble over your little possessions. I'm not here to sit down there and give you all the things that are there. Be careful of greed. Greed can stop you from making the right decision. That's one way you can tell that, that hey, maybe I'm fighting something because I'm, just, I'm not making that decision because I'm greedy. And then verse 16, Then he spoke a, peril to, a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Notice the ground. <laughs> he doesn't do a lot. But it's just because he's on the right piece of property. It says the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. So he's, he's just raking in the dough. And he thought within himself saying, Hmm, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? I've got so much money coming in here, I don't have enough space to take care of all of my lovely possessions. So he said, I'll do this. This is what I'll do. I will pull down my barns. I'll build bigger, greater barns. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you can almost hear him patting himself on the back, soul, you have many good things laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's what he said to himself. But God said to him, <clears throat> Excuse me, fool, knucklehead, uh, you and your possessions which you've been deceived by, this night your soul will be required of you. Then those who will, uh, will those things be which... Then those will those things be which you have provided... Must be some King James thing in there. <laughs> then whose? Yeah, then whose? You're right. Must be the pastor thing. <laughs> then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who's laid up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And the thing is, is that so many times in our lives when we're presented with a Christian witness to step forward, we can be deceived by our own sense of ease. I'm okay. No, no need to risk anything here. No need to step out. I've got everything taken care of. Who needs God? There is a, an attitude of self-sufficiency. Why risk anything? Why take a step? God's coming up and He presents us with this conviction. We have a tendency to say, no, I'm not going to step through that door. And then we turn around and we make a self-evaluation of ourselves. We go, well, I'm really okay. I don't really need to do anything radical here with my life. I'm okay just the way that I am. And the truth of the matter is, is God saying, hey, tonight you're going to stand in front of judgment. Don't you think you could have done something a little bit more pertinent than count your money? Why don't you turn around and think about your heart that is being right with God? When you're walking in the Spirit... It involves a constant state of risk in your life. Do you hear that? 
And when we live in our comfort zones and say that everything is all right, listen to this, you're missing the conviction of the Spirit in your life. You're missing the ability to step out and to enable change for God. And what Jesus is coming up and He's saying, when, when I'm speaking to you, I understand that there is a fear in your heart. You have got to eliminate the excuses. You can't say, well, I'm not ready. You can't say, well, I'm not prepared. You can't sit down there and say, well, I've got all the money I want. Who needs anything else? I'm fine just the way that I am. He's turning around and he says, you've got to step through that. Because you and I, when we see spiritual things, listen to me, Christian. When we see spiritual things, we want to run away from them. And we've got to step through that door. That's a heavy statement. If you understand what Jesus is saying is that, listen to this, that we can never deny the Holy Spirit. To deny the Holy Spirit is blasphemy. You're going to burn in hell because God has spoken to you and you didn't want to listen. What God has spoken to you about is Jesus Christ as being Lord and Savior. And there has to come in your life a time that you would turn around and say, Lord, I recognize you as Lord and Savior. I'm willing, as I feel the Holy Spirit coming upon me, and it's showing me Jesus, and I need to step, I need to step through the door. And what Jesus is saying is the process of stepping through the door is more important than even exactly who Jesus is. Did you catch that? You can throw rocks at Jesus, and that's okay. But when Jesus is saying, when I'm presenting you with the truth, now listen to this. I, don't, I hate to keep saying that all the time. But as, as, as we step through the door, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is a process of being a Christian. When you are lost and you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you step through a door against your nature, against your flesh, against your desires, you are going to have to shake off your fears and step through that door. And as a born-again Christian, you now walk on the other side of that door and says, I've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, now I'm saved, now I'm going to heaven. But it's a process. And for you as a Christian, you need to take the next step in the next step. And you need to go forward. And in every single time, the Lord is going to be presenting witnesses to you. And He's going to be saying, this is where I want you to go. And as a mature, trained, born-again Christian, soon you start to cave in easier and easier and easier. What's that adage, you know, if you cheat on your wife the first time, the second time it's a lot easier? third time it becomes easier, the fourth time it gets to be easier. It's a true principle. You can put that into Christian concepts. The first time you say yes to God, the second time it becomes easier. The third time it becomes easier. And then pretty soon as a mature Christian, you're starting to understand, well, Lord, I don't particularly like this. I don't feel comfortable with this. I could like to come up with a whole bunch of excuses if I've got more important things to do and I've got to build bigger barns and I've got all these other things going on in my life right now. But you know. And I've learned never to say no to that one. And as the Lord's telling me, he said, you go over and talk to your mother right now. She needs to be comforted. 
And you'll say, well, Lord, I gotta, I'm in the middle of work, and who can take off time? And you, know, you tell me to go. No, go over and talk to your mother now. And you start to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and says, well, yep, 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 yep. I've learned not to say no to that. I'm going, Mom, can I come over and talk to you? Yeah, come on over. And your mother's crying and in tears, and she goes, I was just ready to shoot myself in the head, and you came over and encouraged me, and you saved my life, and thank you for just coming over. I don't know why you came over at that time. And you go, well, the Holy Spirit told me to. How'd you know that? Well, you know, I've been down this road. I know not to say no to certain things. And that's how we as Christians have to make decisions. And I love this passage of Luke because I really believe that Jesus is very sympathetic. And there are times when God's coming into your life and he's saying, you need to be a little bit more spiritual over here. You need to break through this barrier. You need to start doing certain things. And inside of us, we all go, I want to cut, I want to run, I want to be a coward, I want to get out of here. And Jesus says, if you're truly a believer, you're not going to do that. You're going to sit down there and face the music in front of the synagogues, the magistrates. If you're going to sit down there and, and be doing all the things that are in front of you, You can't allow those things. You can't allow greed to sneak into your life. You can't think that you're never ready. You can't sit down there and think that you're self-sufficient. All those things are answers, and we have to fight to get past that point, to walk through that door, to make that decision. So he says, verse 22, and then he said to his disciples, he says, he says, therefore I say to you, do not, listen to this, worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Quit it. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. He says, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouses nor barn. And God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And you go, you know, God is saying, life is going to continue. Life is going to flow forward. You have to be willing to let go of all your fears and your doubts, quit your worrying and all your lame excuses, and step through the door. Now, it's interesting, you know, you think of these ravens and you go, if you know anything about a crow, a crow is a very smart animal. If uh, you were ever inclined to be a hunter uh, and try and hunt crow, it is a very difficult task. They're very smart animals. They learn and uh, uh, adapt to how and what you want to do. They recognize that, you know, there are certain places that you will shoot them and they will stay away from those areas and they figure out what's happening. I find that rather amazing. But we had our own incident this weekend of our own little sparrow. Uh, somebody let the bird in. I was out there moving around and we did some painting and I think a little little sparrow-type brown bird, you know, flew in and was squawking this whole weekend, and I thought he flew out. And this morning, we go into the nursery, or Chris went in there and says, there's a bird in the nursery. (laughs) I'm like, oh, gee. So Chris got there first. I would have been happy to jump in on this poor little thing, but Chris gets there. (laughs) You grab a big blanket, you know, and you throw the blanket over the poor little sparrow, and we, we... we set the captives free. We take them outside and let them go. And, and, you know, if you look at just that little bird, you know, God cares about that little bird. God loves that little bird. And, and you know what? If God can take care of a little bird brain, little animal, they are. 
that then he cares about me. And, and so many times, you know, God, if we looked at this little bird, and it's amazing how much time I spent trying to get this bird out of the building, you know, the last three days. I've, I've been consumed with <laughs> trying to get a bird out of the building. What does your pastor do all week? <laughs> because you care. You care about something and you want to set it free. And you realize this poor little bird sitting there. And it was kind of sad because we, we were cooking the hamburgers. There was two or three of his buddies were hanging out there. And they were screaming, man. They were screaming for this little guy. And this little guy was screaming. And when we closed the back door, he's like, I'm trying to get out. I can't see how to get through the door. And you could see their panic, their rage as they're trying to get out of the building. You know what I mean? And, and, and he couldn't figure out how to fly around, go through the door, and go to his buddies and and, and the concern and the things that are happening over this little sparrow. And so now, I guess, during the women's luncheon, they were running around screaming yesterday. And, and I guess they, somehow or another, wound up in the nursery. And we could finally at least close the door. And then, you know, here's this little bird. What is he doing? He's going, hey, man, I'm going. And then what does he say? Here comes this big, bald-headed guy with a blanket. <laughs> now, you want to tell the little bird, bird, fly into the blanket, and I'll let you out, Right? That's the way to safety. And what's the little bird saying? I ain't going to the big bald-headed guy with the blanket. I'm getting out of here as fast as I can. And you want to say, no, look, there's life on the other side of the blanket. And you got to go, he's going, oh, no, there's not. Oh, no, there's not. I ain't having nothing. I'll starve to death here in the Sunday school room before. Well, really, he'd probably be pretty well fed there with all the crackers on the floor. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll stay right here. I'll stay right here. And that's you and I. God wants to set us free. And we see the big bald-headed guy with a blanket coming at us. We go, ah, 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 ah. And you go, Where's the, how are you ever going to get out of your dilemma? You're trapped in a maze and you've got to sit down and say, well, I'm going to submit myself over to Christ and I, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to pick up my cross, die daily, follow after Jesus, and I'm going to say, I, I'll have to throw myself into the blanket, into the arms of Christ, and, and that's my way to have everlasting life. And we take the bird out, he flies off, and you go, man, he's, he's free. And the same thing happens with you and I. We sit down and we say, you know, Lord, i got to be free. I, and, and the Lord is saying, trust me. And he knows, oh, it's going to be hard to jump into the blanket, to sit down and to, to walk after this. And, and, and he's saying, don't, don't put all your, throw all your excuses away. Trust me. I care about you. He's doing it because he cares about us. Life is much more than the things that we make it out to be. It's more uh, than, than the food and, and, and what you eat. And he says, uh, life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They don't run around and plant a whole bunch. They don't worry about this stuff, which have neither storehouses nor barns. nor. But, and God feeds them. And of how much more value then are you than the birds? Verse 25 and he says, in which of you by worrying, second time mentioned, can add one cubit to his stature? So can, can you worry yourself to grow one more inch? You really want to make the basketball team and you need to be six foot two. And can you sit down and worry yourself into growing another inch? No. You can put a lot of inches around this way by worrying. <laughs> I, I, can, I can, never mind. So I can add a few inches to my stature, just not the, you get the point. And, and you, when uh, are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest 
Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. It's a natural process. It's what God wants us to do. And we fret and worry and do everything we can to stop going where the Lord's leading us. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You can't. What a beautiful thing is just a flower. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and looks real pretty, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace or the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Come on, step through the door. And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have any anxious mind. That's the third time. Don't worry, don't worry, no anxiety. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. So here you've got to, what Jesus is saying, you've got to put the ox before the cart. You can't put the cart in front of the ox. God knows what you need. Step through that door. Instead of coming up with every single excuse in your life why you can't be a born-again Christian, why don't you step through the door and do things right? And Jesus is reinforcing beautiful promises to us to say, you know what, you're afraid of a lot of things. We are afraid of the unknown. We are afraid of spiritual things. We're afraid of actually trusting the Lord with our lives. And Jesus is saying, come on, come on, come on. Step through the door. It's okay. God has your best interest. It's okay. I'll let you go. I'll set you free. So he says, verse 32, Do not fear, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. We talked about that last week. Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, there where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's a clear calling for you and I to say sometimes, Lord, i got to step out in faith. That's what it is. That's what faith is, is saying, Lord, everything's telling me, you know, there's something weird about this. I don't feel comfortable with this. I've got red flags. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't like this. And you have to sit down and say, I'm, I'm stepping out. I'm, I'm taking that step. And I'm sorry, Jesus' words are to say, if you fail to take that step, burn in hell. Can't forgive that. It's not what you do with your life. It's not how many things. Jesus isn't going to come up and say, well, you said this five times, and you did this seven times, and you did this six times, so therefore you're going to burn in hell. What Jesus is saying, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, in the midst of your fears and struggles for what's happening, yield to it. Yield to it. Go through that door. And I admit, Christian, that it's very hard sometimes because the Holy Spirit can also be convicting you to say, don't do this. And you have to be able to discern in your mind which is God leading you to step through the door and which one is a legitimate fear saying, don't step over that cliff, knucklehead, you're going to die. And you have to be able to have a heart that knows the voice of God. And I can't substitute that with a nice little formula. 
you have to somehow or another make a discerning voice in your life to say, is this drawing me closer to God if I do this? Because sometimes God can cause you and call you to say, step out in faith. They're going to come in today, they're going to grab the pastor, and they're going to burn me at the stake out in the parking lot. And the Lord can say, I want that to be done. It's okay. How do I justify that? Well, Lord, someone has to take care of my kids. Well, Lord, you know, the congregation's counting on me. Well, Lord, great things are going on. I can't die. And yet I should be able to say, Lord, if this is your will, I'm going to step through that at the same process. I need to be a person that says yes a little bit more than I say no. Now, we all know what sin is, and we know when something stupid's going on, and when someone says, come on out, you know, let's go get drunk and drive around and, you know, shoot up some, you know, signs, you know, whatever people do. You can say, man, I'm not into that. I'm not going there. That's not where the Lord is. There's some clear-cut things here. But when something is drawing you, and when the Holy Spirit, even though you're saying, oh, I don't want to die today, I don't want to go through this, I don't want to, I don't want to be dragged out in the parking lot and burned at the stake, I've got a better thing to do today, God. You want to sit down and say, Lord, if this is where you bring me, and this brings glory to your name, then so be it. I'll do it. I'll step out. And please, at least put this into its simplest form. Out of all the complicated arguments you can come up with for what needs to happen, it comes down to a very simple point of saying, have you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord? And sometimes there are people that will not accept Jesus Christ as Lord. And what the Pharisees did, listen to this, is that they turned around and danced all around the subject. Jesus is talking about stepping through. And the Pharisees turned around, they listened to it, and they had leaven, they had poison, they had hypocrisy. They said, well, we want to act real spiritual, but don't ask me to trust you. Step through the door. Jesus is knocking. And he's asking you, he says, I want you to give me your life. And you have a responsibility to turn around and to say, Lord, my life is yours. For those of you that are here that are Christians, God continuously comes and speaks to you and says, I'm looking for something more. And he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, I'm asking you to go here. I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking you to go forward. And we can have the same process delivered to us. And it's amazing on how many Christians can fall into a comfort zone and says, enough, I gave you my life. I went to church on Sunday. Leave me alone. The Lord is saying, more, more. The more you come, the more you give, the more you're going to be blessed. Who cares about all the other things in life? It's the same process. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But if you have never given your life over to Jesus Christ, you need to do so. Don't, don't excuse it. Don't make a reason. He's begging you to say, Lord, I want to come forward and I want to be saved. I want to know you. And as much as you could be that little bird saying, I don't want to go to the big bald guy. I don't want to go to the big bald guy. Let yourself go. Quit worrying. Quit worrying. Quit being anxious and trust him. Heaven and hell was on the line. Jesus is saying this is what it's all about. You being presented with a Christian witness and you're forced to make a decision. And we're going to stand, we'll close in prayer. 
but I'm serious. If you've never made that decision for Jesus Christ, I'm going to stand up here today before I say goodbye to everybody, and, and I want you to come forward and say, Lord, I need to get saved. I want to make that decision. And if you'd like to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, we're not going to do as every head is bowed and, you know, in the secrecy of your heart. You come forward and you say, I want to make that decision. I'll stand here. I'll give you a couple minutes. I can move on. But God wants to do something in your life, and I'm begging you, step through that door. Don't deny the Holy Spirit. He's asking you. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we can all be afraid. We can all be chicken. We can all have our excuses, Father, for the things that we need in this world. Help us, Father, to step through that door. Father, I pray that someone here today, and I really feel, Father, there's someone here that needs to come forward and step through that door. I pray, Father, for that person and for all of us, Father, that you would embolden us to be stronger, more radical for you, and that we, Father, would have our eyes fixed upon your kingdom to know that you care for us, you love us, and that it's the best thing for us, Father, that you'll provide for us. Help us not, Father, to come up with one more reason, one more day, one more minute that we would stop running from you. Father, I thank you, I praise you, and I give you all the glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Church 860 podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, we ask that you would like and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get daily updates. If you'd like to know more about Church 860, please visit church860.com. Thank you. God bless.